Hello, everyone. Right, before we get into the show, this show was actually recorded on the 4th, and yes, it's a week late. Sorry for that. It's one of those shows where we had quite a few technical issues, and after spending more than a healthy amount of hours trying to fix them, this is what we've got left. So we're going to push this episode up anyway, because we're trying to keep a show a week going. My apologies for some of the rather aggressive clipping and dropout that you're going to hear during this podcast. So just want to apologize and uh, enjoy the show. Right then, let's drop that marker and away we go. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. We're back again on a Sunday morning, uh, not, unfortunately, the best Sunday morning in the world, because yesterday we had yet another terror attack in this country of ours. Uh, seven people were killed and 48 others injured in a van and knife attack on London Bridge and Borough Market. It was three suspects were shot dead by police. Uh, obviously, our thoughts are out there with anyone who is involved or is affected by this. Uh, we have certainly been in a bit of a rough patch recently here in the UK with the bombing at the Ariandri... Great, that's really bad. I can't say her name. With the bombing at the concert of the singer whose name, unfortunately, I can't say. So just a small... That's the one. So a big, heartfelt... um, I don't actually know what you can say, really, to things like this. It's strange times uh, that we live in. So, yes. But we're going to continue on. We're going to move forward and do what we do. We keep the stiff British British upper lip and we're going to do the podcast today. We almost didn't do it, uh, but seeing as Simon's had a multitude of problems and has spent three hours getting his kit ready so we can do this show, we're going to keep going forward. Uh, you're having a few problems over your side, aren't you, with your uh, equipment this week? Yes. Um... I've had a problem for quite a while with the Mac App Store where sometimes it works fine and then other times it throws a complete wobbler. Uh, It will tell me there's an update. Uh, Like this morning, it started off, it said there are two updates, which were Slack and Quip. Um, Slack downloaded, Quip got about halfway and then decided it was just going to sit there for a long, long time. So I quit the Mac App Store, restarted the machine, opened the Mac App Store. It then said there are three updates, which were um, Whip and Slack. Again, even though Slack was in the top of the uh, recently installed updates and the latest uh sierra beta so i thought okay i'll uh, give it another go slack downloaded again uh and then quip went into a weird waiting pausing going nowhere mode which then apparently 
caused my finder to believe that a huge amount of data was being shoved on hard drive and uh, it appears to have caused my uh, Wi-Fi to believe that a huge amount of data was being pulled through the Wi-Fi. So my Sierra, um, my Safari wouldn't work properly. Um, my Finder wouldn't work properly. In fact, pretty much nothing worked properly. Uh, I tried to copy um, a file. Um, a, a new download of GIMP into my applications folder and the 200 meg file said it was going to take three and a half hours to compete. So, yes, I've basically spent three and a half hours uh, battling with something where everything wants to go at the total snail's pace. Um, it's like something's telling the machine that it's completely maxed out. But if you look at the activity monitor, the memory pressure is nothing. The amount of disk input output is nothing, which, of course, is wrong because it should actually be hammering the disk, shoving 200 meg of data from uh, from a download into the applications folder. But eventually, I just lost my rag. I've forced rebooted the machine. I've quit the Mac App Store, and uh, I'm going to deal with all that later, quite possibly, in fact, by uh, scrubbing the machine. I'm certainly turning off FileVault. I've had nothing but trouble turned on FileVault. I'm sorry, FileVault is meant to be, you know, very secure and everything, uh, but have no impact on your disk performance. Well, my experience, that's total rubbish. It's been nothing but trouble. Funny you should say this, because just as you're just as we've started recording, my Mac Mini has suddenly decided that it wants to go absolutely bonkers. I've actually I thought the kettle was boiling in the other room, but now I'm sort of just taking my headphones off and it's going, hmm, what the heck's going on here? So this is this is going to be one of those shows, isn't it, where just everything and anything goes wrong. But in good news. Wires had an update, which seems to be not too bad, and I've got the same board going again. Uh, just unfortunately, I haven't, haven't had time to queue anything up. Um, yeah, this week's been a funny one, um, not only because of obviously what we said at the top of the show, uh, but technology-wise, uh, I've I've done a YouTube video that will be going up for our lovely Patreon subscribers first, and uh, it sort of brings me sort of nicely on. Well, no, I'll come back to that. You've got more on your dropping of Google Mail and some of the tribulations that's given you over the week. Uh, so what's been happening with yeah, that? Yeah, well, I obviously I thought, well, I'll drop Google Mail as I that's pretty much the only Google service I use and uh, as we talked about previously. Um, and I've had a bit of grief with that, not uh, specifically as in leaving Google itself uh, has been much problem. but. Uh, I I wanted to change to my iCloud as my primary account. Now, on iOS, that wasn't too much problem. Simply shift that to be the, uh, the default file. Um, I had to get, um, I, I think, an app-specific password for that uh, because I used fact authentication, of course. Um, I then... Uh, went onto my Mac, and because 
as you know or may or may or may not know i use a little or have been using a little thing called notify which is quite old and uh no longer supported and it, it still works but eventually it's going to break and i thought well this is as good a chance as any to stop relying on that and and i'll i'll use thunderbird by my client so uh i set that up in the process of doing that google then uh started telling me that somebody else was attempting to access my my google mail accounts because i have more than one um which may have been coincidental but i have had this before when somebody was actually attempting breaking some of my uh, google mail accounts so i went through all my google mail accounts and reset passwords which then meant i had to uh, go through the rigmarole of getting the app specific passwords to make uh, both ios and thunderbird work properly and then i thought well that's now i'm going to unify my signature hey uh, just nothing complicated name uh, the essential apple graphic and uh, a link um you would not believe how difficult that was to do to be honest um for a start, I'd forgotten just how pernickety uh, HTML actually is, because the only way to build a signature that will do that properly for Thunderbird is to do it in HTML. At first, I tried to uh, write a sort of HTML as I used to do back in the day, um, and that didn't work properly. So. Then I used the Thunderbird build an HTML signature, um, and that sort of worked. And then it was didn't like graphic, and I had to change the graphic for a format. And it sort of was working, and then, and then it was working if you sent it Mac to Mac, but links showed up as links on iOS but didn't work. Uh, oh, well. I, I have to say, I was tearing my hair out. I did learn one interesting thing by the end of it, which was uh, a link in a signature, and possibly anywhere else, uh, will work on the Mac, uh, even if the link is only www.essentialapp.com. But on iOS, it may show up as a link, but it won't work unless it is the full-blown HTTPS long slash slash. Oh, so you've really got to spoon-feed it, uh, so to speak. Uh, I'm afraid. So by the end, um, yeah, I spent way, way too long um, working on that to create what is really a four-line signature with a, with a PNG and a link in it. But uh, I suppose, you know, I got there in the end, and that meant I've now got working HTML signature built from Thunderbird, which works anywhere and everywhere that HTML signatures support. I will admit, I used to use Thunder Thunderbird a heck of a lot back in the day. Now I've just got I've just got trapped into using the defaults. I've really I've been tempted to pull the plug and get the uh, Proton Mail, the uh, the 
Oh, blimey, I'm yeah, stumbling well, the to the... Mail. I've, bizarrely, uh, obviously, I still have the proton mail. I've used, uh, I've sent and received one email. The only thing that's one. stopping me is the fact that there's just no, there's no desktop app. I mean, I know there's a web version, no, which is probably okay. No, there is no desktop for Proton uh, because of the way it works. Apparently, it doesn't. So it won't work with any other client uh, on the desktop. Got to access it through the web, and on iOS, you've got to use their their app. Um, yeah, I, I think that might be putting me off a little bit because now I've migrated all my other accounts uh, into Thunderbird. Oh, and that was the other thing. Uh, and this is a Thunderbird problem, nothing to do with moving my mail. But uh, I found that if you want to order your accounts in Thunderbird, so as I wanted to do, which was to have my iCloud account stop, you know, uh, in decreasing order of importance, my uh, email accounts so that Yahoo was at the bottom. Um, the only way you can do that, Thunderbird, is to add them in the correct order. Um, and because I had some already added in, the only way to get them in the order I wanted was actually delete the whole lot. So, which it's a bit of a failing in thunder. Terribly minor, I'm sure. Most people probably don't. But it bugs. But, um, yeah, I think that might be why I've not really made so much use of Proton. And it sounds weird because I accessed Gmail, you know, through the browser for years. But um, I guess having made the move to make Thunderbird my main client, then the idea of having one floating off in a different sphere is come somewhat annoying isn't it it's a bit like the thing we've talked about before about message aggregators you know they work lovely which is why that brands thing that i just i i gave up on it because as always only some of the things i want to put in it would go in it so it seemed a bit point Yeah, you tend Hello. to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm just trying. It's, my computer's going bonkers. I've got a million and one things going on in the background here. So just a little bit ADD. A very boring story about email. Is oh, no, I, I was so interested in that, really. <laughs> it is it is weird because you're right. I mean, I'm so used to using Gmail, and now I'm not going to switch to ProtonMail. Uh, because I have to use a website, but then I could actually use my essentialapple.com email address um, with an actual... I could actually use it for five euros a month, which is a lot better than having to spend you know, 50, 60 pounds in one go. Oh, boy. I've got to get rid of this chair. I don't know if you can hear this in the background, but it's you literally just cannot sit or move without it squeaking. I can't actually hear it, so your noise gate is actually filtering it out, I think. It might be annoying you, but yeah. I can't hear it. Uh, let's go and have a look. What else have we got in the news? Uh, nothing really going on this week. Oh, yes, there is. We've got WWDC tomorrow. Uh, don't worry, folks. Mm. This isn't going to be another show where we do some speculation. Uh, I, it was going to be, but somebody didn't pull their finger out and I forgot to do it, and I only had the idea at the last moment. So, yes, don't worry, we won't be rehashing uh, everything. It's 
I think it's going to be fairly exciting this year, but only for the fact that we know nothing. In fact, the rumour mill has got that bad. They're actually starting to rely on doing 3D renders from schematics with a little bit of borrowing from some other elements, namely the element phone. You've seen that one, the one that your man... Uh, oh, the essential phone from Andy Ruby. That's him. One yeah. of the, one of um, the iPhone's mock-ups had the, it had the same Touch ID sensor on the back. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way on God's green earth Apple would have a Touch ID sensor looking like that on the back of their phone. Absolutely not a chance. Johnny Ive would... Well... He would, if, he were, <laughs> if he was dead, he would roll over in his grave. But no, unless he's handed off the design sensibility to someone else, not a chance. No way. Well, I mean, I don't know what we're going to get tomorrow. I, I'll make one wild prediction, shall I? I'll make one wild prediction. Go for is, it. We will... Pr- we're probably going to hear about iOS 11 and uh, Mac OS 10, uh, 13, I think, whatever the success of oh. the Sierra is called. Yeah, Mac um, OS. At that point, I think I'm prepared to draw a line in the sand and say, I don't think I could predict anything. Else. Uh, um, and yeah, the rumour mill this year has been bonkers, so we're not going to go there and we're going to wait until tomorrow and find out what. Uh, Uncle Tim and the uh, rest of the boys have to tell us, shall we? I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping that we're going to get something for the Apple Watch, if only because when my phone broke, and it's broken again, by the way, uh, I've got this really interesting bug now where if I use Apple Pay on the phone, the you get the little box that dropped down from the top to say, you've used Apple Pay. Uh, I then can't touch the screen and I have to force reboot my phone and I didn't have that problem before this screen was on here. And also, my screen has got a faulty front camera. But after spending £80 to get the screen repaired, they now want another 25 to repair a camera. And I'm thinking, the camera was working, and now it's not, and it's your fault. But L Dodgy High Street Shop, no receipt, cash deal. Yeah, lesson learned on that one. Thankfully, we've got Mac Jim later on to come and give some balance to the world of customer service. Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, hoping for something for the Apple Watch. Hoping something for the iPad. But I don't, in a way, it's going to be a different one for me this year because whenever they release a new bit of OS or uh, iOS or Mac OS, stuff gets made redundant. And I'm looking around my room now and thinking, yeah, most of my hardware is probably going to get dropped this time around. So I'm in that stage now where my kit is that old. I'm not going to get all the new shiny features. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yes, bittersweet. That's the that's the right phrase. Uh, right, well, let's go on to it. So, yes, sorry, everyone, we're not going to go down the route of doing more and more predictions. You've probably heard every single podcast, and those people cleverer than I and us have uh, probably done it to death. So, um, what we got next on here then? Apple secretly, Apple accused of secretly storing deleted usernames after thirty-day grace period. Hmm. Mm, more well, conspiracy. Let's nuts? face it. Uh, a- According to this report, which is from Softpedia, oh, by God. the way, uh, 
who are uh, probably not the most reliable of sources. Well, they've got a flash uh, sale on Drive Booster 4. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, via Apple News, a Russian uh, software company has discovered deleted notes in iCloud, which they claim shouldn't be there. And uh, to be honest, uh, I'm pretty sure that if this is happening, uh, it's not Apple secretly storing your deleted user notes, is it? It's a bug. It's a mistake. It's something that shouldn't be happening, and Apple will no doubt sort out. It's a bit like the huge furore there was about Apple is secretly tracking you via your iPhone because it keeps a record of the number of cell, which cell towers you connected to. Yes, the privacy. And, you know, was it, were they tracking you? Were they hell? It's actually giving you a better service for your phone. uh, I believe once that came to light and Apple said, well, it's an, you know, it's internal data that we use to monitor where, how active various phones are. um, And, no, nobody should be able to get at it, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll deal with it. And it was—I don't know what they did with it, where they made it put it in the secure enclave or stop recording it, or yeah, I mean, whatever. all that feature know. was wasn't it, was for it basically memorizes the local um, cell towers in your area or wherever you go. So when you're driving, let's say from here to work, I be- I believe this is what it does. Instead of it going out and saying right. Scan, 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 scan. It has a small little database. Right, it goes, right, I know I'm coming into this area where I've got this cell tower, uh, and it will yeah. connect. Uh, and, the thing- and so, you know, there were all sort of, uh, you know, say, underhand purposes were assigned this recording, which, of course, pretty cool weren't. And all I have to say about this is, well, you know, I'm sure if there are things being stored in user notes after they're not supposed to be, I'm pretty sure Apple sort it out. The, <laughs> the in this I'm article... Not, you know, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get my panties in a bunch of it. No, I mean, in this article it says, well, some, while some of our test accounts did indeed contain deleted notes going all the way back to 2015, some other ac- accounts contained much less, less than that. In several cases, we've been able to access two weeks' worth of deleted notes. Still, this is two weeks after the 30-day retention period. We need to make, we need larger base to make any conclusions, the Russian company says. This is the first time the Russian company has come across bugs in Apple software and services, and almost every time the Cupertino firm has addressed the reported problems in record time. So, yep, it's a problem. Yep, Apple are going to fix it. It's kind of interesting to know. Yeah, um, uh, there you go. I suspect it's a bug, and I suspect it will be dealt with forthwith. But uh, then again, I suppose it's nice to know that some people are at least keeping an eye out. And to be fair to that Russian company, the, the way that they've done that press statement is quite restrained and quite sensible. Uh, so yeah, we found it on a couple. We don't know if it's a problem, but we found it and we reported it anyway. So it's it's almost like well, yeah. common sense has prevailed. Good grief. Really? Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Uh, on the whole security thing, we've put a story into the show notes here that the EU security body calls for a security trust mark for Internet of Thing devices. Oh, joy. That's what we want. More of the EU to get involved and to put trust marks well, onto things because that's really going to help. 
I don't know, Mark. Actually, because you know me, I'm a bit of an internet thing, refuser, denier, uh, whatever you wish to call it. Uh, I don't have a great deal of faith in, you know, why my toothbrush needs to connect to the internet or my hairbrush or anything else. And um, we also know that a lot of IoT things are just you know, stamped out in China for no money at all, with no thought of security whatsoever. And, um, yeah, it's a nightmare. So uh, the EU security body has basically some kind of trust on uh, IoT devices, which, you know, as far as I can uh, determine, really would only demand that they meet a minimum uh, standard of security. Uh, now, I, you know, I've discussed this with various people. Some people say it's, it's stupid. How are you going to enforce it? You know, things, the security uh, landscape changes so quickly. Something could be certified as okay and then found not okay. And and whilst I, whilst I see that point, I don't think it would hurt for there to be a basic a baseline you know a basic standard that uh like the kite park which could at least just say this device you know has has a certain basic level of security and it, for example you know it doesn't have hard coded pass unchangeable passcodes it doesn't have open telnet ports and various other things and that it just meets a sensible level of security for what it's supposed to do um i know that the security landscape moves on and sometimes these things would go out of date but at least i think it would mean when you bought say um a camera to you know keep an eye on your living room you would be able to say that it reached at least the basic standard that you could set your own passcode and it didn't have an open SSH port, you know, uh, just things like that. I think I don't, I also understand the thing that it's more bureaucracy and more, but I think in, at the moment, I have to say, I think, I think that I would agree with this. I, I, you know, I have a bit of a thing about the internet of troublesome things, and uh, I don't think it would be a bad thing to have somebody at least casting a weather eye over some of these devices. I'm sort of there with you on it, but it, looking at the products that are going to come out, like the Internet of Things, like uh, Wi-Fi-enabled light bulbs, for an example, these are going to come from you know, foreign countries from japan taiwan china sorry not japan china taiwan they're not gonna they're they're not gonna yeah they're not gonna worry about it it just i i i'm gonna wonder if they're gonna try to enforce it well i think the point is like so many things that the eu would like to enforce a minimum standard and uh and say right if you if you're but they did that with bananas. Okay. Look how that turned out. <laughs> so they say. But um, I, I just think that for once this wouldn't be a bad thing. And it would be, you know, if you want to sell your Wi-Fi enabled plant waterer, 
uh, you know, internet-controllable plant waterer uh, in the EU. You have to get it certified that it, it passes the basic level of security uh, quality. And that if you don't, you, you, you won't get a certificate to sell it in the, in the EU. Yeah, speaking uh, speaking I, of which, I'm still waiting for who was it? IKEA to get that blimmin' firmware update for their Wi-Fi stuff, so it could do fully HomeKit. I think that's going to be my challenge for the year: is getting my house to acknowledge my presence via HomeKit. <laughs> I suspect my challenge for the year is to avoid having any internet of troublesome <laughs> devices whatsoever. Uh, what have what else we got here? Are we going to do? Where are we at for time? Let's go and have a look on the recording. So I've got to get out of here. We're going for half an hour-ish. Uh, what story should we go for next? Should we do the one about was or Skype? Is the about to get to, about to get a revamp? Well, let's 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 uh, let's hate on Skype a bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you must remember MSN Messenger. Back in the day before it turned into Skype. Well, sort of turned into Skype, as in they had MSN Messenger and then they, uh, then they it bought off. Skype. <laughs> and then they bought Skype and killed MSN Messenger. Uh, the report is that uh, Microsoft are going to uh, revamp Skype in a bid to do battle with iMessage. Um, I'm not really sure why you'd want to do that. I mean, iMessage does one thing or one set of things. Skype, you know, Skype made its original um, impact by being the AV messenger to rule them all in that, you know, you didn't have to be oh, what about MSN, and I'm on Yahoo, and he's using something else. And, and some of them did AV, and some of them only did texting, and no. Um, that is how Skype came to prominence, by being you know, easy to use, cross-platform, available to everybody, and now you can do video chatting. Um, now they want to add uh, instant messaging, you know, uh, which it does, obviously. They want to add stickers and bots and you know, they're going to add a thing that tells you what the headlines are and what the weather is and Snapchat-style story highlights. And and to me, it's like, yeah, thanks. You, you, you destroyed its minimalist... Um, user interface a long time ago and now you're apparently attempting to load it with a load of garbage uh, in, in an attempt to go up against people like Snapchat, iMessage and uh, what Facebook Messenger um, and it strikes me as floundering floundering I mean what I like about wire is it but you know what I like about wire is it it, it feels in a strange way, like the original Skype, in that, you know, you have a list of contacts, you can talk to them, you can video cam with them, or you can text or send messages. That's that's it. It doesn't attempt to 
you know, do all this other stuff with filters and storylines and no. Thank you. You know, that's what I like. It's an audio video audio video messenger. That will do me. That's what I want it to do. I don't want it to do anything else. Keep it simple, stupid. That's the principle. Is it a case of it's maybe too late? Because normally I've I've literally got two three chat programs now i've got iMessage which is what i use for everyone and anyone who's got an iPhone if they haven't got an iPhone then the default de facto standard now is simply whatsapp and that is pretty much it for me i rarely 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 fire up skype um i don't know why it's me i think it's just that it's big and it's clunky and it takes a while to get going uh, it just doesn't it's just lost its way and I think when it went from Microsoft Messenger to Skype, I think a lot of people jumped ship then because it became more more of a cam-to-cam thing rather than something you would fire up just to be online with Messenger. The good thing, the thing I liked about Messenger, and I think you nailed it, was the fact it was a Messenger first and foremost, and then it was a webcam slash phone call thing secondary, whereas Skype is the other way around. Yes, it is. Um, but I, I, you know, I used Skype for, for many years uh, with a lot of uh, people all around the world, you know, for and used it mostly as an instant messenger, far less for actually, uh, you know, video chatting. But it, it just got bigger and clunkier and less reliable, or at least it feels like it did. And, you know, the addition of, oh, well, now we're going to put on stickers and filters and that talk to you and this all seems to me like oh why just yeah i i think it could be too late skype i think they i know they're pushing skype for business but i I really think that they're beginning it skype could be on the downward slope uh people like wechat and uh yeah whatsapp and and you know uh taking over i mean iMessage obviously has massively uh built the ios uh and mac ecosphere um i don't know what else to say about it really i mean it you know i just think it's ghastly i think it's going to be horrible i hated it when they destroyed the minimalist uh interface anyway and turned it into a thing that takes up three quarters of the screen um unnecessarily and uh it's been going downhill since then, as far as I can say. It again. I'm wondering if this is sort of like the play for the power of being default, because Skype is installed on every single Windows 10 machine. Uh, because well, I know, because I've, I've, I've had to billion for it. Yeah. They've got to get their money back, and I've had to remove it on all of them. And I wonder how aggressively they're going to push this down. Uh, I think it'll be interesting if they if they get the if they but I don't know if Windows itself has that sort of user base of dare I say this without sounding old like the hip young kids who have Macs and stuff like that to to use it. It just feels to me or seems to me it seems a little bit too late uh, to be trying to join on the bandwagon unless they've got something really special coming up with um uh Oh, God, Windows Phone, or whatever they're going to do with it. Well, 
as far as I know, Windows Phone is dead. Well, I mean, yeah, right. it is dead. They're hoping. Microsoft. I, if they've got any chance of reviving mobile, it's under the Surface brand, and they should let it be Surface and not mentioned Windows. Yeah. Or even possibly Microsoft. They should market the hell out of the Surface. Oh. But even then, you know, the Surface brand is, is, is muddied. I mean, it started off as a, as a tablet. Oh, God, I've and just seen the surface... new images. Oh, my God. I mean, there's a Surface Book, and then there's a, what's the other one they've got, the new one? Is that is that a Surface Book, or is it a foldable oh. Surface? Or Oh, it's the, it's the mini Surface. I'm just going back to this. Those images are horrendous. Who on earth thought those would be good screenshots for the new version of Skype? Holy moly, that designer needs to have a be, have a chat with. Blimey. <laughs> there you go. My you eyeballs are said. burning. Sounds ghastly. Sounds ghastly. So, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. Uh, right, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, I, I need to get a cup of tea. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into Nemo's hardware store and then we will be back in about three minutes with also some guest audio from one of our people from our very own Slack room. So, John, over to you. I just came back from a short vacation to California, so I've got some travel tips for you. The first one from the hardware store is called Pro Cable 3.5 millimeter audio extender. Use any headphone with any cable. Company is radtech.com. It's about seven or eight dollars in the U.S. Shipping in the U.S. is only a couple of dollars. It's a screaming deal, even if you have to have it sent to you overseas. For example, I've got a case from Catalyst, not bulky, but a full protection case on my iPhone. Using this Pro Cable, I can use the adapter with any headphones without having to worry about jamming it in through the tiny opening in the case. It's hard to explain, but if you ever have trouble getting your headphones or any audio cable into your case on your iPhone, iPad, your iPod, your iWhatever, this Pro Cable for under 10 bucks, and certainly not much in your currency either, is a fabulous 3.5 millimeter audio extender. They have two lengths. I got the standard length. They have an extra long one and a standard one. They're not that much different. You'll see that when you look on their website. Strongest personal Nemo hardware store recommendation. A couple of out of the things that have nothing to do with hardware. One is the Gmail app on the iPhone. I'm not talking about using Apple Mail with Gmail. I'm talking about Gmail's own Gmail app. It's free if you have a Gmail account. The great thing about it is it now has three boilerplate stock responses, like I'll look into it, sounds great, never heard of it, count me in. And so if you're doing a quick response while you're traveling, like I was just doing, it lets people know that you're not a robot and you are responding to them. And that gives you a chance to think about it and give them a more detailed response later on. So I know a lot of you are Gmail users. Check out the Gmail app and see the three new stock responses to personal messages at the bottom of the message you get from your sender. Another couple of things while I was on vacation, I did use voice memos a lot. That's why I sound a little bit weird because I'm recording on voice memo. Didn't have time to get my studio set up. So do use the voice memo app on your phone. Use it for all sorts of things. Travel information, doctors, lawyers, appointments, children, grandchildren, parents, grandparents, oral histories, 
anywhere you need to record it for later on, even if you're going to delete it. Very handy for interviews and any other audio information, concerts, anything you want to listen to. And finally, when I came back, I went through my closet. I threw out and decided to give away earphones, cables, batteries, speakers, chargers, anything that I hadn't used for a year or two that I was not going to be using for the next couple of years. Clear out those musty, dusty, fusty shelves from your closet, your cabinet, the trunk of your car. Just get rid of that stuff. Find somebody at a local charity or a local user group who can use that. Give it to your kid's school to repurpose. Get that hardware out of your life so you have room for more new stuff from Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. Cheers, John, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. You'll be able to find all of the links on EssentialApple.com and, of course, our lovely Amazon affiliate link, where if you click that, you go shopping at Amazon and you check out, you're helping to support the show because we get a really, really small amount of commission from anything you buy, not just the products that you're, that John's mentioned or the other links we have on EssentialApple.com, literally anything you buy it isn't much but it really really does go into help it goes into running of the server it goes into podcast hosting and all that other stuff and it is very very much appreciated and of course a huge huge shout out to our patreon subscribers both of you uh, it is really really appreciated again without you this show would be a lot harder to keep up and running so once again, thank you very much. And of course, if you want to, you can come into our social media area. We've got the Facebook, we've got the Google, uh, we've got the website, and I know I'm missing one. And of course, our Slack channel, which leads me sim- seamlessly onto some guest audio. Now, if you've been listening to the show over the last few months, you'll know that I'm the king of getting bad customer service from Apple. If they can shaft me, they will do. However, Mac Jim from Slack has had a completely, completely different experience. So we're just going to play some audio for you now. So, Mac, uh, sorry, let's try that bit again. So, Mac Jim, over to you. A few weeks ago, after overnight charging my iPad Pro 9-inch, I unplugged it and placed it on the table. Within a few seconds, an error message started to flash up on the screen. And the message was... This device is not supported. But not only was it showing this error message, but it was also showing up the indicator that you get when the device is plugged in to charge up. And this flashed between the two windows very quickly. But it stopped within a few seconds and I thought nothing of it. But as the day went on, every so often I would get this indication, this device is not supported. This went on for a few days, so I decided to contact the group members via Slack to see if anyone else was having this problem and if they had any suggestions of how to fix it. Good as gold, I was sent some links to stories on various websites saying that Apple was going to do a recall as there was problems with the Apple Smart Keyboard. So I made an appointment to go and see a genius in the Glasgow store and took the device in. Tests were done, checking it on other devices, all resulted in them deciding, yes, it needs replacing. Have you got your receipt? I said, yes. I'll just look it up in my iCloud drive. Could I find the receipt? I couldn't. Then after a wee while, I realised... 
I bought it in John Lewis. So the girl very kindly offered to email me the report so that I could print it off and take it into John Lewis. But of course, I didn't have the receipt on me. So I went home and did a wee search, and after some time and trying to figure out where the safe place was that I put it, I found it. The next day, off I went into Glasgow. Went into John Lewis, and it's explained the situation, showed them the print-off from, jo- from Apple, and they said, yes, no problem. We'll just get you a replacement, just go down to that till. So within a few minutes, I walked out of the store with a brand new Apple Smart Keyboard. So not only had good service from Apple and the lady who attended to me, but I also had its very good service from John Lewis. So thank you very much for your help in getting this fixed for me. Now, from the sounds of that audio, Simon, I'm obviously going to the wrong Apple store because they seem to be a lot, lot more helpful than uh, the, the, the one in Cardiff. Um, so, and of course, well, if you... And if you'd like to get some audio onto the show, uh, drop us an email, get in touch with us if you want to do a small review. Uh, we've also got a couple of written reviews as well that we're going to post up, and I will probably podcast them as well later on this week. Indeed. Right, let's get back into it then. Um, yeah, I've got to admit, just sticking on the iPad for a second... I'm, well, the, one of the reasons why I'm sort of semi-rushing through the stories is I've got to go and meet someone today and they've got an iPad Pro and I want to try their pen and compare it to the Surface. I've got to say, I think the Surface Pro keyboard is a little bit better than the Apple keyboard, if only for the texture of the materials used. It The Microsoft one feels... Um, how would you put this? It feels like it's got a cheaper mechanism. The Apple one's really nice, but I don't like the actual feel of the keys on the Apple keyboard. And what really grinds my gears is there's so many apps out there that just don't use the blinking arrow keys. And Quip is one of them. So you end up doing this horrible thing of, okay, you type into a cell and you want to go to a different cell. You have to stretch across, touch the screen, come back down. It's just so fiddly. Why they haven't got uh, arrow key support just absolutely mystifies me. And it's probably one of the reasons that for some of my work now, I think I'm going to switch over to numbers, providing that it supports arrow keys. Just thought I'd share that. Uh, what do we got next then? Your next heat source could come from a ser- from a server if Nerdalize has its way. What's this one about then, Simon? Uh, Right, this is uh, now. Obviously, we've. I I saw the. Uh, I I saw this and uh, under another headline uh, somewhere else, which was, um, servers could provide you with free hot showers uh, if you live in Holland. Um, and uh, I at first I thought, okay, this is not a particularly new story, is it? Um, server farms have been set up in various places. Um, around the world, uh, quite often in quite cold countries like Iceland and Sweden and whatnot, for the obvious benefit of having uh, a cold climate, which they can use to help keep their servers cooled down. And uh, quite commonly, uh, as a byproduct of this, the the server farms, you know, have a lot of waste heat. And uh, they'll they'll do a deal, say, uh, where they use this waste heat to provide provide some hot water and uh, 
I don't know, pump it to the municipal swimming pool or to the school or, you know, or even if it's a fairly small, uh, you know, uh, community, maybe all the houses. Uh, but this is a slightly different take. This this idea is rather than um, clumping all your servers into a great big farm and having all this heat, uh, the idea here is that uh, you personally would agree to host a cloud server uh, in your house uh, and, and no doubt put it in a cupboard or some such thing. Um, and in return, this this uh, cloud server would be generating hot water for you in as by cooling itself down, um, and it would generate hot water which could be get put into your hot. Um, and this is a trial which is being run in uh, Holland, and uh, the i you know the idea is that you would disperse your cloud servers all around the population and in exchange for uh running a server in your house on behalf of somebody else you would uh, get free hot water that's all very well but so you're hosting a cloud server in your house are they going to foot my internet bill because that's going to pretty much saturate my 1.2 meg upload speed I'm pretty sure that they would, uh, yes, that the deal would include uh, making sure that it has its own internet connection, I'm sure. But uh, I haven't studied it in great detail because the uh, the report which I read obviously originally didn't go into much detail other than the, you know, the novelty of the idea of if you host a, a cloud server for us, it will use its waste heat to heat your hot water for you. I'm all for stuff like that. I do. I if. I've all I've been on the lookout for the last sort of months to get like a mini windmill that I could put in my back garden. Uh, I don't know how much electricity it would actually generate, uh, but yeah, I'm always into this sort of stuff where if you've got a product where you can use its byproduct to do something with it, uh, it sounds awesome. But I wonder. Well, I mean, it is like you know, it is like the stories of uh, of Apple and Dell and various other people. Saying, well, you know, as I said, you know, let's put our server farm in um, Alaska, or you know, or Iceland, and use the natural cold environment to cool the cooler servers and the waste heat. Let's you know, pump it to the swimming pool or wherever where it can be made use of. Um, and why not? Very much what we should be doing, isn't well, especially it? Especially like that that crazy. Especially now, in light of crazy Donald Trump pulling out the Paris Climate Agreement. Ooh, uh, yeah. bit, bit topical there, bit of politics. A bit, 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 bit political for us, but uh, yes, he has, as we all know, and uh, much to the chagrin of Uncle Tim and uh, Elon Musk and uh, even, I believe, uh, Exxon Oil Corporation are up in arms, which, you know, if, you, if ever there was a, a, com- a mega corporation you would think would be Hooray! Now we don't have to worry about climate warming, you know, shenanigans. We can just carry on doing what we do. No, they are very upset apparently, and do not consider it to be a good move at all. So there you go. Apparently, the only people who are happy are a very small number of Pennsylvanian coal miners. Uh, so I've read. So uh, 
Go figure. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll, we'll edge out of politics. Um, we'll, in fact, <laughs> our final yeah, yeah our final story comes back, and again, this is uh, this has a bit of feedback from Mac Jim. Would people be interested in trackpad and mouse support on an iPad? Uh, Yes, lots of opinions on this one in the Slack. Um, Mac Jim has got one. I'm of the opinion that the iPad with iOS was a wrong one. Putting a mobile phone OS onto a larger device was a mistake, and Microsoft got it right with the Surface Pro devices. So the iPad should have had the ability to be used with finger, pen, slash pencil and mouse. I find the iPad smart keyboard a useful device as better to type on when at a table rather than on the screen. Yes, the on-screen keyboard is good, but it's compromised too. The biggest thing I miss with the smart keyboard is the trackpad. The feature of using multi-touch to move the cursor on iOS keyboard is buggy. Sorry, buggy most of the time but you can't use it when you're using the smart keyboard. It's telling that after Steve Jobs died, Apple bought out the pencil. Either Steve Jobs knew that knew before his death that it was coming out and okayed it for people or kept it secret, or the new heads realised not, that not having a pen slash pencil was a mistake for Steve Jobs. Uh, mar- Maringi? Oh, oh. No, it's a meringue. Oh, meringue, it's yes, a, of course. He's a Glaswegian. Oh. A meringue. Ah, a meringue, yes. Jimmy. God, Jesus, <laughs> blimmin' heck! I've, I've, I've uh, there was a, I just, I've done an unboxing video today, and I can't say the word. Is it cacao? C a c a o? And I've been trying to pronounce it. It's one of those words that just seems to be escaping me. I, the thing is, I use a Surface Pro, and I don't think they've got it right because there's too much of. What do I use to do what thing with it still? So if I use the pencil, I still, and I want to scroll up and down a file explorer box or up and down a page, with the pencil in my hand, I have to go from wherever I'm writing to the side, find the scroll bar, make sure I'm in the right touch area, and then drag down, but don't move your pencil too much to the left so you come out of the touch zone for it. Or I can just use my finger. And like I said before, you end up doing this whole button twirl uh, situation. I, I Obviously, I've never used a Surface, so I, I can't comment. Um, and I, I'm not sure that a keyboard and mouse uh, on an iPad it is what you want. I mean, to me, that would be you'd run the risk of turning the iPad into um, just another low-powered... You're basically gimping it, aren't you? You're basically... You're shoehorning a... You are basically becoming a Surface um, then, aren't you? You're sort of saying, right, well, here is a a desktop. Yeah, I, I can't make my mind up, really, because... You know, a lot of analysts are now saying there there is no tablet uh, marketplace anymore. There's an iPad marketplace. And some people would argue that, that, that there is now becoming um, a Surface marketplace. Well, I don't but know the on brand, that. I don't... The Surface brand is strange because it started off as a tablet and then there was a Surface book and then there's this new one. And, and then there's rumours of a Surface phone. 
and I, I don't know. I can't. But I, I, I don't know. I, you know that I've said for a, a long time that that I think the iPad needs, and I think Mac Dim's correct here that putting um, a mobile phone OS on a larger pad was a mistake. Maybe not in the first place because it helped people grasp how it worked. But I think by now the i uh, you know the iPad should have diverged further from the iPhone and should have had more iPad specific features. Is that not down to developers? Basically, for what I've seen of most iPad Pro apps, they're basically just bigger apps. That's it. It's all just scaled up from the iPhone. Now, whether or not no. um, whether or not there's money to be made, whether people tend not to buy them, or is it just tablets in general have just been lumped into a, a, a big pile of consumption? Yes, there needs to be something better for handling files. For example, if I want to post a if I want to post a blog on an iPad, I can. But if I want to do something a little bit more difficult, say I want to upload that image to a website to compress the image and then pull it back down, that's so much more hard work than it is to do it on a desktop. So I just basically go over to a desktop. The iPad, it's strange because you can do good stuff with it. I don't think that releasing a pencil was a mistake. I think it needed to be released for the right iPad. And I think if they put the pen slate with the iPad Air 1 or 2, that would have been an admission of defeat to say, yes, we've we made a mistake. By putting it on the Pro and giving it that monkey, I think that's, that was the best way to do it. Because it's saying if you want to use oh, a yeah. pencil... I, 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 I very much agree with that. Because I think... Um, and, you know, we all know there's been dialysis for the iPad for a long time. Um, and they've ranged from, well, let's face it, janky and horrible to apparently quite good. But um, I think the idea with the Pro, quite rightly, was that there are people who say, why can't I draw on my iPad? Why can't I write on my um, And that needed. Far, you know, the, the much more complicated technology that's gone into the iPad Pro. And so I don't believe that re- releasing the pencil uh, for the iPad Pro was a wrong move at all. Uh, and I agree with you that, however, releasing some kind of stylus for uh, the ordinary iPad would have. Uh, I just. I don't know whether the iPad needs to be divided into the iPad and the iPad Pro OSs, but I I contend that the that the the iPad is currently being held back by yes being viewed very much as a consumption. It's still treated as just a bigger for me using it. It's just still treated as a bigger iPhone display. Now, maybe Apple didn't help themselves with, this comes back to what Matt Jim said about the OS looks very, very, well, it is 
I I was going to say very similar. Of course, it's very similar. It's the same thing. But even the spacing of the icons, it just looks weird. Like that, the the home screen, having the icons with so much space, it just, they should have been able to do something. I contend that the iPad should have its own version of iOS, which I know that means, you know, fragmentation. I know that means splitting, but the iPad already does things that the iPhone can't and vice versa. So, you know, why not allow it to have, say, drag and drop or better multitasking or so on? I, I really hope that maybe we might see something in that direction uh, tomorrow. I've uh, and the other thing I'd really like to see the other and I've st- I've stolen this one from the Mac and Forth show, but it's quite right. I would really like a news app on the Mac OS. I've got really used to reading the news on the news app on my iOS on my yep. phone. Uh, I'd really like a news app, please, on Mac OS ten. Completely, completely with them alone. Uh, yes, we're going to get Carl on the show soon. It's just whenever I can get up early enough in the morning on a Sunday to get organised and get get him on. Um, Mark, um, if you if you go and listen to this week's episode of the Accidental Tech Podcast, Marco Armand had a really good idea of using Force Touch more. So if you wanted to, say, move a file within Pixelmator to, let's say, Adobe Sketch, you could go into iCloud Drive, force touch on the file, and it would pop up a layer, and then you could navigate it around, much like you do with apps on the home screen. So you could press, it would pop up and move it that way. That might be one way uh, to get to do it, maybe. But we're going to find out tomorrow. And I'm actually finishing work early, so I can come down here, sit down. uh, And this, I'm actually going to do a, a strange bit of work this week. I'm actually going to do an article because normally I'd sort of do a write-up of them. But this year I'm going to try a bit of uh, data um, transcription. So I've got my Dragon Dictate 6. I'm going to put that up against Orphonic and Google's voice translation services and see what one comes out the most reliable and what, what has the lesser amount of mistakes. So stay tuned for that next week, providing I don't run out of time to get it done. It sounds like a simple article in my head, but I have a feeling it's not going to be that easy. Uh, what else we got? I think, you know what, Simon? Uh, we're running late. I know you've got stuff to do. I've got to get out of it. So we need to make a move. So if they want to get off, so we're going to wrap this one up again. Thank you to Ev. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Mac, Jim, and everyone in the Slack room for contributing to stories this week. It has been much appreciated. Uh, again, thank you to Mac, Jim, for sending in some audio and a pages review for us. We will have that up on the website and on the social media. If they want to get hold of you, Simon, how can they do so, good sir? Uh, of course, the best way to reach me is to follow me on Twitter, and that's at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-A-K. And if you want to get hold of me, get hold of the Twitter at Essential Apple. Please give that a bit of a shout out. We've sort of dropped off getting new followers. If you want to follow me personally, Lord knows why you'd want to when I get up and do my strange cycling stuff. Uh, I'm actually going to be in that there London in a few weeks. You can get me on the Twitter at Ocean Speed, the website essentialapple.com and the Facebook 
And again, thank you very much to our lovely, lovely Patreon subscribers and all of you out there who use our Amazon affiliate link. So this is it. The final countdown to WWDC. We will speak to you next week. We will. And uh, I think I'm also going to steal this one from Carl. Uh, Stay safe, everybody, and be nice to each other. Definitely. Cheerio, everyone. Goodbye. Uh...